Dinosaurs and man, two species separated by 65 million years of evolution, just been suddenly thrown back into the mix together. How can we possibly have the slightest idea of what to expect? Welcome back to the Neo-Jurassic Podcast. I'm your humble host, Bri, and I'm really quite excited to share this latest episode with y'all. So throughout the course of this season, you've heard from many fans and scientists alike bemoaning the scientific inaccuracies and suspiciously familiar creature designs of the Jurassic World era. In today's episode, we're going to have a good long chat with someone that actually played an active role in guiding Universal towards what would become one of the franchise's most accurate creature designs. Ethan Storr, beyond being a very good friend of the show, is a student of vertebrate paleontology working as a field paleontologist at a private prep lab in Utah and is notably the man, at least in part, responsible for the more scientifically accurate bits of Battle at Big Rock's hangry adult Allosaurus. However, before we get into the really fun stuff with Ethan, I've got a few quick necessary announcements. First, are any of y'all planning on attending the grand opening of the Velocicoaster at Universal's Islands of Adventure on June 10th? Well, an hour and a half ago, my left arm received its second jab of Moderna, and there ain't nothing and nobody that could keep me from being there. And when I'm not physically strapped into the Velocicoaster, I would love to be chatting with y'all for the season finale episode of the Neo Jurassic Podcast. Which brings me to number next of today's announcements. Yes, this scrappy little duct taped together first season of the show will be concluding next month. For those that observe, I'm sure the idea of ending a season of a show like this during the height of Jurassic June probably seems downright blasphemous. However, during this gap between seasons, Neo-Jurassic will continue to release exciting new video content on a regular basis over on the Neo-Jurassic YouTube channel. So fret not and give a subscribe to the Neo-Jurassic YouTubes to stay connected. Now, some of y'all might actually be wondering, when will the Neo-Jurassic podcast be returning? Well, that is wholly dependent upon how quickly I can coordinate and record X amount of interviews. Let me tell you, Coordinating and booking interviews with academics at the tail end of the school year is comparable to herding cats, honestly. It's essentially impossible, and you know, it's for good reason. I fully understand that. All the same, I would love to have the show back in time for the drop of the first teaser for Jurassic World Dominion sometime in August. However, I do feel like that is a little ambitious, and I think a September start date is probably a little more likely. So with those announcements out of the way, let's just go ahead and begin our chat with Ethan. Together, we'll be discussing his experience guiding Universal back to the light with their Allosaurus, the thrills of field paleontology, and why the future success of the Jurassic franchise is dependent on paleoartists. So starting off, let's begin. Um, what 
what has been your relationship with the Jurassic franchise? How did it begin <laughs> and how has right. it evolved over time? Um, oh man, well, that's a loaded question. Um, so I was, uh, the first time I watched Jurassic Park, I was, I was probably maybe five or six and, um, it was, I, I mean, it, it's every dinosaur kid's experience with Jurassic Park. It, it's a yeah. come to Jesus moment, you know, um, yeah. it's so cool like it was just everything about it was awesome you know um and what's funny though is i actually was like scared out of my mind watching that movie that young yeah Uh, i like the i i remember distinctly when the rex smashes through the roof of the explorer and uh and just being like Oh, like this is this is bad, and then uh, and then I could never could make it through the raptors in the kitchen sequence, and um, eventually, uh, about a year later, I finally finished it and I saw the T Rex come in and the, each of the raptors, and that's about the moment I was like, oh, that, that's the one, you know, that's that's hmm. the one I like, um, and obviously there was fluctuation with that later, but. Uh, and it just kind of continued to evolve where for me, it's always been one of the only ways I could see dinosaurs in the mainstream. Um, you know, documentaries even are few and far between and not all of them pull them off. Great. Um, and like most of them, it's ironic that a lot of dinosaur documentaries rip off the designs of Jurassic park. Um, but, uh, like, like walking with dinosaurs, I really feel like the Utah Raptor in that is, uh, you know, Jurassic park Raptor. Um, but, uh, but, um, it was just always sort of the, you know, kind of my dinosaur content feed. Um, and so like, I, I love, I, I I love all the movies. I'm not going to say they're all great ones, but I love them all. And, um, uh, Jurassic park three, Jurassic world, fallen kingdom. I have my fair share of issues with each of them, but they're all, they're all at least dinosaur content and uh and then eventually um you know there was the whole battle of big rock thing and um and that story has been told a a million times um but uh and and so i've always been kind of synonymous with the jurassic brand and loved it but in recent years um i've started to just wonder you know how how much jurassic i think i think colin trevorrow tries and i think he tries really hard but i have wondered how much they're either aware or even care about their kind of inherent platform that they've given to themselves um because i i was the exhibits manager of the dinosaur museum here in in my state the museum of ancient life um for two years and before that, I started volunteering in museums uh, at the age of 11, 11 or 12. And um, I started going on digs at 13. Um, I've been in the field. I've been in museums since I was for over 10 years now. And um, and now I work, you know, professionally within it. But uh, I can't tell you how many times I had to take the Jurassic Park Dilophosaurus and break down the idea of it in people's mind to rebuild it as the actual animal. 
Um, and then the same happened with Baryonyx uh, in Fallen Kingdom. I was still working at that museum as the exhibits manager when that movie came out. And it was the same thing. I, I would walk people. We have a Sukumimus skull. We, well, we had. I'm not there anymore. But we had a Sukumimus skull. And I would walk people over to it and just have them stand in front of it and just be like, look at how skinny this is. You know, I can put one hand up and it's as thick as the entire skull all the way down. It's four inches across, maybe. Um, it, it's so mm-hmm. just grassle and live. And, um, and so it, it just, I have begun to wonder how much, you know, there, there's sort of this care and I'm not trying to bag on the franchise. I've, I am one who understands how complex it is and how, um, it, it's a much more nuanced issue than I think a lot of people talk about. Um, like, like I do know that I honestly, this is going to be a hot take, but I don't think they should be hiring paleontology advisors. I think they should be hiring paleo artists. Um, I think that's the only way you're going to consistently good and accurate designs because a lot of the paleo, um, advisors and paleontologists that they have on there, they're not going to know the artistic side of it and fleshing it out. They're going to be able to kind of advise and help bring something better but you're never going to get like a perfect design without someone who knows both the artistic side, the Jurassic aesthetic, and the accuracy of the animals inherently. Uh, and that takes a degree of training itself. It's it's not just paleo; it's artistry. It's recognizing good design because you know you can't you can't just slap in Jurassic Park. You can't just slap one of those awkward um, you know macabre based raptor designs in there. And I think yeah. that would be cool, but part of but that that's not the jurassic aesthetic in my opinion it's it's um you know you can make animals that are unique and colorful and scary and match that sort of feel and so i think that they should start bringing in like paleo artists to do their designs because that's how you get good ones and i don't know that's i couldn't (laughs) agree more and that's kind of why i focus so much on paleo art on this particular podcast just because i think that that is the missing element in 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 what they're attempting to do i i agree 120 percent. yeah and it, it is an uphill battle they're fighting i mean there's a reason that say uh walking with dinosaurs even the the movie not the not the documentary uh even with all that movie's yeah. many many faults and even with all the executives kind of stepping in and messing with that movie which i know they did the design still turned out awesome they they changed the designs in those movies too but because David Krentz was the lead designer on that, who is a professional paleo artist who is vetted, he knows his stuff. He's one of the greatest paleo artists in the world. Um, he was he he made sure that those designs were still good, even with studio interference, wanting them to look scarier, wanting them to look you know more whatever. Yeah. Um, and so, I think that's a testament yeah. to the you know sort of importance of paleo art within design not just um you know not not just getting paleontological consultants with you know your average creature design artist for sure no i i agree 100 and now 30 percent um i really 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 hope that they they uh move in that direction soon i'm i'm fairly confident they haven't yet but i really really hope that they do moving forward yeah i i i I'm fingers crossed. Um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, so I do wonder sometimes just 
would I, I, I love I, Jurassic Park and The Lost World, especially those two movies will always be like very close uh-huh. in my heart. And I think, and I will forever die by those are great oh, yeah. movies. I even uh, can find a lot to enjoy with Jurassic World. Um, I, I love Jurassic World. Um, I don't love all the designs, but uh, you know, the, those movies, I love them, but I do wonder if I would be as big of a fan if they weren't the only dinosaur media out there if they didn't almost have yeah. a monopoly on it. And that's sort of, and that's kind of been something I've just realized in the past few months um, and started to just think about, you know, uh, listening to your podcast and listening to other yeah. kind of discourse and stuff like that. I've just kind of been like, oh man, it, it needs to be better. I think about like the bull T-Rex design. That is one of the best designed, yeah. pa- like that's one of the best paleo designs of all time. It's, it's incredible what they they the way they made it distinctive from the female by adding to the soft tissue areas like the keratin areas the dewlap uh-huh. the the amount of bulkiness the color uh-huh. the spatial scarring all that stuff that that's exactly what paleo needs that's distinguishing animals and making unique and colorful and vivid designs while keeping them grounded and building off of the stuff that we know that they that we can't see you know we know that T-Rex had mm-hmm. some sort of ridging on its nasal. They just made that really prominent with the bull. And um, that yeah. it's just like, yeah, I, I just have begun to wonder, you know, if I, I know it's not inherently maybe their responsibility, but I feel like they've kind of Jurassic has given itself this platform where they are the public's communication with dinosaurs. And a lot of people say, well, the public should know mm-hmm. that they can't trust those designs. But they're using real animals with real names, um, with real science behind them, and they're not making them look like them. So why wouldn't the public assume that they're looking at yeah. something at least close to the real thing? And so I feel like um, yeah. it's it's less of an argument of should Jurassic do accurate designs and more of an argument of should Jurassic take responsibility for the platform it's given itself, especially when it's monopolized something that no other franchise will take on. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. I mean, you've listened to the podcast, so this comes up quite a bit, but, um, yeah, yeah, I really hope that they do move in that direction. Speaking of which though, I know you've, you've said that you've talked about it like ad nauseum at this point, (laughs) but I would like to, um, rehash your experience with our, our, our Allosaurus friend for battle of big rock, how that process happened. So again, I was the exhibits manager of, uh, the museum of ancient life. And at the time we were, uh, I actually just, I met you there at the Jurassic Park fan event. Yeah. I'd gone to that and I had met, uh, one of the people who worked for universal and that we kind of became like pen pals and we uh-huh. started texting back and forth and, um, she, and she was a really cool person. And, uh, she actually ended up talking to her boss about kind of what I was doing and my work in, in Utah and how she met me at the fan event. And her boss, it uh, was, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say her title, but um, her, her boss was, uh, you know, kind of overhead of a lot of creative stuff at Universal. And so she knew, she knows like everything going on with Jurassic. And so she actually reached out and said, we'd be interested in partnering your museum with Jurassic World Alive. Um, because we want to like have, uh, I think they're called incubators in the game, like the, like almost outposts mm-hmm. where you grab like coins and stuff. 
Um, they yeah. wanted to have those in museums, oh. like special ones where you could get DNA that's kind of synonymous with oh, the cool. species that are in that museum. Um, and uh, and we were interested in some new signage. So we thought, okay, maybe we can help them redesign some of the dinosaurs and do some AR in some of our science and stuff. And eventually um, it, it kind of fell through the cracks and it's mostly, and it wasn't even, you know, an argument thing. It was mostly just to kind of, uh, you know, just kind of eventually quieted down. Um, but while we were walking through, we came across my, my old museum had a uh, juvenile Allosaurus gemadsoni named Jimmy. And um, as we were walking through, the, this universal person went, hey, we had that dinosaur in Fallen Kingdom. And I said, yeah. And because this was, you know, 2018. Um, and I said, yeah. And she said, it was, is this a juvenile like the one in the movie was? And I said, yeah, it is. And she said, it looks kind of different from the one in the movie. And I said, yeah, it does. And, uh, and she, <laughs> and she kind of just asked like, why? And so I stepped over the railing and I walked up to the dinosaur and I kind of was like, well, there's this, 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 and point just at the anatomical differences, what we know about the musculature and tegmen and all that stuff. Um, Oh. And at the end, she just kind of went, talked to me for a bit after. And so I, st- and so I stepped away with her at the end and I thought she was going to be like, you can never watch another Jurassic park movie ever, but she didn't, which was good. Um, and she just kind of yeah. said, you know, uh, there's this project that's coming up and, um, you know, we really would, we're really trying to push scientific accuracy in the future. And so I'd love if you kind of got in contact with me and shot me an email and maybe you could just throw together an adult allosaurus design and what that would look like. So I got right on that as soon as I got home and I sent it to her and I didn't hear back for a really long time. And it uh, turns out that, um, that there's a whole bunch of stuff going on with the previous paleontological advisor. And if you know who you're, you know, your stuff, then you know who that is. And, um, and he ended up getting fired and um or i you might want to edit that let go um but yeah and so um and so they were left with this sort of design that was not good you can see the concept art of it um it has almost that abella sword skull where it's really broad and crocodilian and it has the yeah. underbite and oh man uh-huh. and uh and so then all of a sudden they reach back out and they said, okay, can you kind of, if you, you know, mess with this, like, like one thing they really wanted was the spikes on the neck. Um, cause they thought that would distinguish it from the T-Rex. And, uh, right. And so, um, and so I threw another design together and kind of sent that through. And then they ended up sending me that concept art and kind of did this, like, what could you do with this? And so I kind of hybridized parts of the design and sent in a skull design and then I sent in a reference wow. sheet that had um, some anatomical stuff just overall and uh, inc- included a little bit of stuff for Nesudoceratops, which I don't know if that got implemented or not. Um, but from what I've heard since, they actually um, they got in contact with a couple other people as well, and but they were using my artwork to almost rip off the skin of the animatronic and refashion it. And then they changed the CGI model and did all this stuff right before filming. Like it was really down to the wire and that whole thing. Yeah. That whole thing is like the one thing that gives me hope for 
better stuff in the future because that's how committed yeah. they were to fixing that design before it got filmed and yeah. then fixing it further after it got filmed. Yeah. And so I, that was, yeah. that, that was cool. And, um, that, that kind of gave me a little bit of hope and we'll, we'll see how much that hope pays off. But, um, but yeah, th- that's essentially the story. And then eventually all of a sudden I got an invite to that fan screening out in California and I didn't even apply for it cause it was in California. So all of a sudden I got an email that was like, yeah. you've been invited as a VIP. And I was like, Oh well, shit, I better go then. So I ended up going to that and, uh, and yeah, that's that that's pretty much the story. But wait, the the one w- with with Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Yep, yep. I was there. Wait, w- did I see you there? Were you there? Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess we did. I did we miss each other? <laughs> I was there for that. I guess so. Oh, yeah, man. I I was there with um Stephen uh Stephen Ray Morris and and oh really? I think his girlfriend and my boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I, I, we must've completely missed each other. I was talking with, uh, uh, Neems most of the time. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I caught up with, uh, Jurassic Jen and a couple of the other people kind of in the fan base. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I was there. That's crazy. I didn't uh-huh. even. Oh, cool. Yeah. I yeah. didn't know you were there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was man. such a fun screening and a fun night. It really was. I had a great time. I was just in there for a night. I literally flew out after my day at work was there went to my hotel, flew out the next morning. Like it was a, it was a crazy little bit, but Oh man. Yeah. But it was, it was a great night. I, I still have the little ticket from it and all that stuff. It was really cool. Um, you probably don't have an answer to this, but do you know why they went, do you know why they didn't choose to go with Fragilis, Allosaurus Fragilis over? I did that actually. Um, I oh, yeah? was the one that implemented that. I think Jim Madsen is a lot more badass looking than Fragilis. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. That's just my opinion. It has more kind of triangular, uh, sharper lacrimal crests, and it has, mm. um, and it kind of lacks the uh, the dropped jugal, which is the cheekbone of the, this is the jugal right there mm-hmm. um, of uh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know of Fragilis, and um, it just. I, I think it's got kind of a, and it's a skull comes to like this really cool, perfect V. Um, it, it's just got a yeah. couple different skull differences that I think make it look more badass than Fragilis. I think Fragilis, even though it was, uh, you know, the more evolutionary, evolutionarily advanced species. Um, yeah. I think Jim uh-huh. I was the cooler looking one. And so um, yeah. I kind of, I, I, that was kind of, and that and that's exactly why i and so that's why i could have gone to the uh natural history museum here which is another museum in utah and looked at their fragilis skull and i have contacts uh-huh. up there so i know what they would have let me in to do you know the design work for it but i just i think jim Matson and i look so much cooler so i so i ended up just using the specimen dracula <laughs> as my main point of reference um, it was Dracula, Jimmy, and Big Al too that were mostly the references I used. But Dracula, right. primarily, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was That's that was so my cool. choice. Oh, did you uh, see the leaked uh, Giganotosaurus? I did uh, animatronic. I did. I'm I'm a mixed bag. I hate the spikes. I hate them. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're they're so 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 big. <laughs> um, 
the dorsal spines especially or the dorsal spikes are especially are really tall i can maybe yeah. suffer through the neck ones here yeah here's kind of my standpoint on it i kind of like that it's almost a tie into the allosaurus i like that it almost is right. a visual like oh they're related like like i feel like some kids could yeah. grasp that that oh the they're both allosauroid species um because of the presence like, of that continued yeah exactly i i kind of like that that's that's a visual thing that makes them synonymous it's i thought they were actually going to give the baryonics and fallen kingdom some of the spinosaurus sound effects based off of the trailer you can hear some of this uh the uh, fallen kingdom trailer you can hear yeah. spinosaurus yeah. roars and the baryonics uh, roars and i thought that was really cool because that's one of the yeah. things that even the yeah. looser fans will kind of pick up on and be like oh those are those are the same yeah and so i i like that about the giganotosaurus but I wish they'd base the spines off of something like iguanas or something less crocodilian. Yeah. Um, and also they're yeah. so obscenely large, like they're huge. Yeah. Um, and so I, ah, man, yeah, there that's that. I think the spines kind of suck. <laughs> um, and yeah. I think I wouldn't even mind them as much if it was something like Acrocanthosaurus, which has an exaggerated back. Right. And so kind of exaggerating mm-hmm. that feature further. That that's something I'd be more sure. okay with, yeah. but make Giganotosaurus. It almost makes, yeah, especially where have you the skull is weirdly good. Like they like they need to move the orbital fenestra back a little bit farther, but it's it, yeah. it's like the new. Have you seen the up uh, the new Giganotosaurus skull? Uh, I've heard about it a lot lately because of this whole situation, but I don't know that I've yeah. seen it. So you, you can mostly just find 3D models of it. It's not it, it it's not anything crazy. Basically, the original skull that you usually see from Giganotosaurus, where it's kind of boxy yeah. and rectangular, right? Uh, yeah. That was that was a result of uh, deformation and you uh-huh. know just natural compression in the fossil. Uh-huh. It got smushed. It should yeah. look almost identical to Carcharodontosaurus, except the oh, lacrimal okay. the lacrimal and uh, the frontals should you know in t-rex you kind of have these two little hornlets um in carcharodontosaurus those two bones the one above the eye and the one in front of the eye kind of meet and come together like this giganotosaurus uh looks almost Uh identical to carcharodontosaurus but that lacrimal should come up a little bit higher they shouldn't meet the lacrimal should go like this and so um but other than that it looks almost identical to carcharodontosaurus so when a lot of people were kind of complaining that it looks too much like carcharodontosaurus i was like that's a good thing that's up to date like that's a that's a that's a more i was shocked to see that and the the croco lips that's actually a good thing those are more accurate than the yeah like jurassic rex half lips that they have um that's more plausible so oh really yeah, yeah, because no animal yeah. has lips that just cover the base of the teeth. Um, you either have yeah. full lip coverage, a full lip sheath, like in monitor lizards, um, yeah. or, or you know, pretty much everything, yeah. or you have uh, you know, everything crocodilians, else, yeah. or you have crocodilians, and so, um, yeah. so yeah, so that that was kind of cool because the skull is one of my favorite skull designs in recent Jurassic years. It has its. The skull is about yeah. on in terms of new, you know, Giganotosaurus looks. Um, it's about on par yeah. with the Carnotaurus in terms of just the skull design. Um, like, there's a couple yeah. little things I'd change. Like, again, I'd I mean, the Carnotaurus skull is pretty broad. No, it, it's pretty broad, and uh, and their horns are actually right behind the eyes rather than over them. 
um, and which is kind of interesting. And then the teeth are, if you look, the, the Carnotaurus has teeth that kind of go in different directions. Like the, it's kind of got just subtle snaggle teeth. But I, at least it's a design uh-huh. that when I look at, I'm like, oh, Carnotaurus, that's a Carnotaurus. And I yeah. don't yeah. need to nitpick it when the talking to the public about it. I can say, you know, it's that dinosaur in Fallen Kingdom yeah. that the T-Rex decides to f*** up for no reason a couple times. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. and and pe- and I feel comfortable saying that. That's exactly the threshold I want them to hit yeah. is do I feel comfortable saying yeah. that dinosaur from the movie? Um, and the Giganotosaurus yeah. is mostly-ish there. Um, I, I just wish yeah. the spikes weren't there. And we, don't, we haven't seen the body yet. Who knows? Maybe it'll have big Allosaurus arms rather than the accurate Giganotosaurus arms and stuff. But um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's good, not great. Again, if it's something the animal had, I'm fine if you exaggerate it a little bit. I get that that's yeah. part of creature design. I get that right. if they, especially to help distinguish it a bit from the T-Rex, I get the arms are almost, yeah. especially where the T-Rex already has bigger arms than it should. I kind of get yeah. that the Giganotosaurus would have even bigger arms than that, but yeah, like don't make them Allosaurus, Spinosaurus arms. Don't make them the giant long grasping yeah. arms, you know? Keep them kind of short yeah. and to the body um, the way Giganotosaurus would. And yeah. so I'm, I'm not going to – if the arms yeah. are a little bit too long, I'm not going to throw a bitch fit. I'm, it's whatever. Uh, I, I can yeah. even kind yeah. of understand that. But uh, yeah, I, I hope yeah. that they – I hope that they're not crazy long and that we don't get too many more of those huge obscene crocodilian features because it's just, uh, I hate the spiky aesthetic. I mean, it seems like I hate it. I really hate it. I really really do too. It's such a bummer. Even, even the Allosaurus, which is something I'm I'm proud of. I, I love battle at big rock. That's one of my favorite things that's come out of the Jurassic era. Um, like it's yeah, so it's tense and I love that it's isolated and its own thing. Cause for a second, like it almost fooled me into thinking they would ice that baby on the, in the Jurassic franchise, which yeah, logically yeah. they, they never would, but because there's no consequences yeah. for it, they can do that sort of stuff. Um, but, uh, and so, but I love battle at big rock and I love, I do love the Allosaurus design. I think it's a, one of the better designs. Um, but that might be, you know my bias but uh yeah <laughs> at the same time um at the same time i i there are that that's not how i would have designed the allosaurus by myself yeah. um i have my original concept that i designed the allosaurus where it was based off the fallen kingdom color scheme but it was allosaurus entirely and um so you know it, it's it, it's it's whatever. I, I wouldn't have kept the spikes. I um, wouldn't have uh, done some. I, I just the. I probably. I think I th- thought it would be cool. Allosaurus. I think looks really good with full lip covering. Mm-hmm. Um, like it. It suits the animal. I. Yeah. I understand why people kind of don't want T Rex to have full lip covering. Yeah. Because the teeth are just so long and exaggerated yeah. and yeah. badass. It's kind of like Ceratosaurus. Yeah. I kind of get that. Um, I was Allosaurus lips just suit it. It's same yeah. with Majungasaurus and, um, and, and anim- animals with small teeth, they, they just look more natural. They look better. Yeah. Um, and so, 
I, I would have just done, I, I think it's kind of a shame that they actually underplayed the size of the arms in the Allosaurus. Uh-huh. Uh, like the arms are too small, yeah. which is a shocker considering they usually make them too big. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it like, and their claw, the claws, like I have an Allosaurus claw cast that's like that long and that's without the keratin. Cool. so you yeah. know those are the features that i'm like exaggerate exaggerate yeah. go after those those are scary features yeah you know um the and so that and mine actually had uh one of the things that you know and i don't blame them again they were trying to change the established design mm-hmm. but the lacrimal crest on jamatsunai also the one of the differences that makes it so cool as jamatsunai is fragilis just has the lacrimal crest and that's it yeah uh, for Jamatsunai's crest is the lacrimal and then it runs all the way down the snout. It runs through the nasals. It sort of has this fin that yeah, comes yeah. across it. So it makes this V shaped fin with both of its crests. It looks kick ass. Yeah. Like that's one of the main things I, I, that's one of the main reasons I chose, um, uh, Jamatsunai cause yeah. that I knew that with some keratin and color and yeah. that would look that that would, you know, be a really sharp design. And, um, so just, just stuff like that. Like there's, there's a lot of cool stuff in dinosaurs and I wish they would lean harder into that rather than just the, you know, the Todd Marshall, if it's spiky, it's scary. Yeah. (laughs) So you are working for a a private lab, correct? It's a private lab. It's essentially a private contractor for all paleo work. Um, we work from, the, the whole purpose of the lab is um, I'm sure you've heard like the discourse about, uh, you know, sort of commercial and and academic paleontology um, and mm-hmm. the, the sort of thing there. The whole purpose of the lab is to make sure that even commercial stuff doesn't completely slip through scientific view, viewing. Um, so so that and that's exactly what it is rather than you know someone who goes out and fossil hunts and they find something really cool and then they just hire you know their buddy dave who knows how to work an air scribe to get it prepped and stuff they can get it professionally prepped but part of the agreement is that it's kind of an open door policy and that everything on it is documented and researched and um you know kind of thought out and uh and then we we obviously do a ton of work for uh, universities, museums, um, et cetera. So, uh, wow. yeah, it, it's a, it's essentially just, um, a private con everything from, uh, field expeditions and, um, excavations uh-huh. to lab work and prep, um, which is getting the rock off the bone and cleaning the bone, making it look nice to mounting, molding, casting, and research all the way through that is everything that you kind of think of in paleo minus the writing of publications and the um lectures right. is done at at my work so it, and, it's uh how long have how long have you been uh working there and how did you uh get there so i actually i'm i'm kind of the new guy there um i just started beginning of this year so i'm five months in now um actually yesterday was my exact five month anniversary but um and so, uh, I, I'm kind of new there, but basically, um, like I said, I have 10 years of experience. Um, I'm, uh, close, I'm very close to getting my degree 
And um, my the paleontologist at my old work at the Museum of Ancient Life, he has been a mentor to me for a, a really long time. And um, and he knew my current boss that that runs um, the the paleo lab. And uh, he was looking for someone who specialized in tyrannosaurs, which is my study animal um, and my specialization. Mm. And because they they just got a T-Rex and he was looking for someone who was driven and he was he was looking for a new field paleontologist. Um, and uh, so my boss kind of talked to him and just said, you know, hey, there's this guy that's been our exhibits manager here for a couple of years. And he has, you know, degree level experience. He's working to his degree right now. Um, I think if you invest in him, uh, you know, right now, it'll um, pay off. And uh, basically, I didn't even interview. I just kind of got all of a sudden a text message one day that was like, can we meet up? And it was from some guy I'd heard of, but never met. And I just got offered a job. <laughs> so so I and I mean, as soon as he was like, we have a T-Rex, I was like, yes. And so that, that I just went over there and, <laughs> and that's where I've been since. Cool. So what does your day to day look like? Oh man, it's, it's the most, I think every job I've ever worked for has always said, Oh, it's a fluid and dynamic workplace. And that's mostly bullshit. Yeah. It's not. Um, this is the one yeah. that it, it is a fluid and dynamic workplace. I mean, I never, I have, you know, my main project, like my main project is the T-Rex. Um, and that's where I spend the bulk of my time right now. Yeah. I'm working on its femurs. We finished its skull. And right now it, uh, we're working on, uh, the specimen is named dynamo. Um, we're working on his femurs mm. and, um, and you know, I just pulled on top of one of his femurs was actually a, a huge, um, I haven't fully identified it yet, but I, I'm guessing it's a caudal vertebrae or a tail vert. Um, and, uh, it, it's just ground off and it's missing the wings or the processes. And it, it's just, it's kind of an ugly vertebrae, uh-huh. but it was sitting on top of the femur. And then you also have the pubic boot running into the femur. And the whole thing is just, th- that's huh. what, that's my least favorite thing in Jurassic park is when they're brushing off the sand it's off of the perfectly articulated, articulated raptor perfect. and the yeah, dinosaur yeah. death pump. I see yeah. that and I'm like, you, I wish, I wish. God, yeah. that the T Rex looks like someone put it through a fucking blender before it got put out there, and it's yeah. just, <laughs> um, and it's just, and I mean, then you have the Morrison stuff, and that's all. It, it, it's Allosaurus is stuck in concrete, and it's the hardest rock imaginable. Yeah. We have to take like diamond saws sometimes to it just to get the rock shaved down, um, and Dang. so it's just, yeah. But then, you know, so I'm the bulk of my time's on the T-Rex and prepping that out. And then eventually um, I'll, I'll be doing, you know, the, the mount for it and all that stuff. Um, I work, you know, casting and molding as we go. We're making research molds. So even after it goes to wherever its final destination is, um, if, you know, if I, I'm last I heard it was going to the Museum of Moscow. Um, but if something ever goes wrong, just in case, because, you know, you never know with paleo. Um, where we do research molds yeah. and full documentation. And so I, I, that's a big bulk of my time, but also just the other day, um, all of a sudden my boss was like, I should probably get this out of here and get it somewhere. And it was this huge crate that had a triceratops skull in it. And, um, and so I was helping and the, but the horns fell off of it, <laughs> weirdly enough. And so 
I spent like a, a good chunk of time, me and one of my coworkers just putting the horns back on. And, you know, we're also compositing a Carcharodontosaurus skull. And so I've been helping out with that from time to time. And Ooh. yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it'll be the most, um, it'll be like the most put together Carcharodontosaurus skull, uh, that you can find because it's the, a good, 40 ish percent maybe 50 it will be casted off of authentic bone um and that and that'll be the first time that that's done and so it's basically compositing all known kark material including the stuff that my boss like had to fight tooth and nail to get out of private collection and stuff like that just to get it casted so that the, you know there's an actual carcharodontosaurus skull out there um so uh, so I've been helping so with that, rad. but yeah, it, it's, and then, um, a couple of weeks ago, I actually just got back from Wyoming. I was out on a dig, making sure we have all of the T-Rex. We did. It was a bummer, but, um, we did find, we <laughs> you're did, hoping to we, find more tidbit. Oh yeah. We did find, uh, uh, it's called, oh man, it has a new name now. The old name was the super denary. Um, it's basically this little thin, like wing bone that follows, you know what here? um this right here so this is the t-rex's lower jaw this is the super denary oh. i think it's called like the not the coracoid something it's some it has some new name that kind of sounds like that but it runs right here okay it's basically a bone that helps the uh inside of the teeth stay in place um right yeah. and t-rexes is really large and exaggerated because of the teeth uh but we did yeah. find that one of those, a full, beautiful, intact one. Um, but we have both of those already from our T-Rex. So that's from a second one. Oh, um, huh. Yeah. So we'll, we'll – Yeah, me and my boss found that one. And so um, we'll see if any more T-Rex comes out of it. It came out of a microsite, which is basically a, de a prehistoric depositional river basin where you can find like all these little tooth scraps and – uh, turtle shells, croc scoots, uh -huh. um, all kinds of trite corn, just weird fragments of bone and teeth that's uh -huh. kind of scattered. Um, I found an ankylosaur scoot, um, stuff like that. Ooh. But uh, yeah, yeah, I found some cool stuff there. But basically at the end of the trip, we kind of went there as a reward and got to kind of pick out our stuff, just little trinkets. Um, uh -huh. And yeah, I was working with my boss. We kept finding, he found uh, the occipital condyle, which is the neck joint. That attaches to the skull. It's the ball joint on the oh. back of the skull. He found one from a triceratops, just out of the ground. And we were digging, and wow. uh, yeah, and I was, and I'm so jealous because I was doing the shoveling and he was doing the hoeing. And if we had switched, I would have found that uh. T Rex bone. But I was digging, and he, all of a sudden his hoe just went, Shh, and we just heard it scrape over something hard. And we started, and it was just soil. It was dirt. Uh -huh. And so we started scraping it away and it was just this huge T-Rex super denary. And the skull, I mean, the skull would have been over like five and a half feet long because it was bigger than the T-Rex we have now who has a five wow. foot skull. And yeah. it was just, and I was just like, oh, I'm so jealous. But um, I got to be there for it and I got to, <laughs> I got to be one of the people that discovered it. But so yeah, we'll see if there's more in there, but probably not just because of the nature of microsites. So the bulk of your the bulk of your work has focused on tyrannosaurs, which is yes. you know your fave. Mm -hmm. um, I I know you've mentioned that uh, a significant amount of that um, uh, work you've been doing has been looking into the pathologies of various uh, uh, 
facial bites and, and things like that. Yeah. Want to talk about um, that? Yeah. The official term for it is uh, Tyrannosaur Intraspecific Combat. I-N-T-R-A, okay. intraspecific. Um, and intraspecific basically means between the same species. Um, so, you know, that's when, you know, Komodo dragons start wrestling and uh, anything along those lines, you know, uh, rams, butting heads, things like that. That's intraspecific combat. Yeah. And one thing, um, eventually my thesis will be written on this. Um, but, uh, the one thing is a no adult t-rex has ever been found without bite marks from another rex on them they're they're on every single wow. one um tinker here has them she's a sub-adult um i know part of this will be audio so i have a t-rex skull behind me for the listeners but um yeah <laughs> but uh uh tinker has them the dynamo has them stan has them sue has them uh you know, Scotty has them, Y-Rex, uh, oh, fuck, uh, Victoria, all of them. They, they all have them. Uh, B-Rex, every single one. And um, mm-hmm. so at least uh, all the ones that I've, I've documented have all had them. Uh, Tough's Love, it, it, it's, they're so commonplace, unlike any other dinosaur. Um, mm-hmm. No other theropod has the amount of frequency of signs of intraspecific combat as t-rex um and what really fascinates me is how brutal they are they're not the you know just little bumps and signs of like some sort of almost intimidation fighting where you know if it was because face biting is is the main thing there but the way they're biting the faces are unreal it's not like you know on top of the nasals you have like little bumps and stuff where they're like kind of grabbing each other by the face, just trying to trying to scare the other one away. And uh-huh. it's kind of more of a wrestling match. They are punctured and shattered bones. Um, Dynamo, for example, I can officially talk about this now. Uh, Dynamo has yeah. his nasal, which is the bone that fuses the maxilla, which is the um, jaw bones of the upper skull. Uh-huh. Um, it's the it runs along the entire top of the snout down to the nose. It's called the nasal. And Dynamo has a hole punched in his about maybe, you know, it's, you could comfortably like rest, including the crater, you could rest like a a baseball inside it. It's huge. And the hole. Oh my God. And yeah. And the hole perfectly fits another Rex tooth. It has a D shaped cross section and everything. It's a, it's almost certainly a T-Rex tooth that just punched through his nasal and it's healed. Um, And then, so yeah, he had, he had that a was big my question. Old, was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, every single wound we found on him so far is healed. Um, and his jugal, wow. uh, which is the cheekbone. If, if you watch Jurassic park, they, uh, they, uh-huh. one of the things they got right is it's the Jurassic park Rex has these really engorged yeah. triangular jugal horns. Um, mm-hmm. T-Rex had mm-hmm. those and they were very, it's to the point where they're now officially classified as a jugal hornlet or a jugal boss. So they're very wow. covered in keratin, yeah. like they would have been very pretty well armored. And Dynamo has a checkmark oh. shaped, like a V-shaped uh, scar that's punched all the way through. And again, it's probably a T-Rex who did it. Um, but like his yeah. jugal is just mangled up. Just this V, you can oh. see these V-shaped lines that just like come together. And 
Um, and it's, and it was probably, you know, T-Rex's teeth like biting in and catching him up by the jugal and he was pulling away and it was just shredding and cutting out his bone as he was struggling to get away. And, uh, and that, yeah. And that's let alone, I think it's Stan who has, who for the longest time he had a lump on top of his brain case and they thought it was a tumor or bone cancer or something along those lines. And then they did a cat scan and there's another T-Rex's tooth embedded inside it. Um, like clear as day, a tooth, wow. the tip of a tooth. And, uh, and so his brain case was ripped off and he had a tooth sticking out of his head and he walked it off. It, it's unreal. Unlike anything I've ever seen. And, um, so, so I, so they are extremely aggressive and violent and they were really mean as shit. yet they're able to recover from these. They yeah. were mean as shit. there's like, they, they were just nasty dinosaurs. I, this is what keeps me fascinated with them is you are the top of the food chain there. There is nothing messing with you. Uh -huh. You are, in fact, you're so insanely kind of overpowered that you as a juvenile fill your, a different ecological niche as you as an adult. Yeah. Like that's like, that's fascinating yeah. to me. But, and then you have that ecological study that came out that said there are 2.5 billion T-Rexes over the course of their, uh, yeah. like, three million year existence. And that means that during each yeah. T-Rex's generation, there was two T-Rexes in a space about the size of Washington, DC. So they're spread out. They're 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 that to me means yeah. a high degree of territorial territorialism, but they were seeking each other uh -huh. out just to beat the shit out of each other. Like something was going on there. And odds are is I think it was uh, intraspecific competition. I think that T-Rex was such a prolific and sort of dominant predator that it was probably uh -huh. um, that it, it probably, you know, viewed it as its own competition. And so it was uh, yeah. it, it wasn't, you know, oh, hey, there's another T-Rex. You're you know, you're part of my same gene pool. It was there's another T-Rex. That's less food, less ter territory for me. And so they were fighting, you know, almost to the death. And, um, and you know, there's, there's, there's possible signs of cannibalism with there. And so they might have been fighting to the death and the winner would uh -huh. eat the loser. But yeah, they're walking it off, which is very interesting to me. Because if you had a lion with, it, with a hole punched into its snout, yeah. that lion would be dead. Um, yeah. And so there's, there's a lot of theories as to why. Um, no one knows quite sure. One, one of the ones that interests me uh, is, the, um, from what I hear at least, uh, crocodilians can shut down blood flow to wounds. Um, mm. And I, I heard that there might be some research that archosaurs can do that too. Um, I, I still need to vet this. Wow. This I just heard recently because I was talking to another uh, paleontologist yeah. and I was talking about more of the combat side of things. And I just kind of just to, as passing said, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know how these guys were walking this off. Like it's, it's gnarly. And, yeah. um, and he said, well, you know, I think it's because of this crocodilians can do this, but essentially he said that crocodilians can shut down blood flow to, uh, wounds and extremities and stuff, uh, when injured. So that way they don't get infected and they don't die of blood loss. Right. 
Um, and so I've wondered yeah. if uh, T-Rex and possibly other theropods had a similar adaptation where it was, you know, shutting down that, that sort of, um, yeah, the, that, you know, those, those wounds and, and stopping any blood flow to them. So to avoid infection and dying of blood loss. Wow. Um, well, th- that's really interesting to me. So like invariably I'm very interested in social animals mm-hmm. and, 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 and animal cognition and behavior right. and all that stuff. And there's, uh, increasing evidence over the past couple of decades, um, in support of, uh, gregariousness across tyrannosaurids, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, Eutyrannus was found in like a group of three of varying ages. Mm-hmm. And then there's all those, those mm-hmm. tracks that were found, uh, a while back of, you know, and then in Utah, you had those, uh, I think the species is dynamo terror terror. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. those tyrannosaurs that were just found yeah. with dinosuchus. Yep. Um, yeah. From a flash flood. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so it's, I'm very interested in, in, in the, the potential gregariousness, gregariousness of tyrannosaurs. And then of course, tyrannosaurus rex is kind of the apex, the end of the <laughs> line. And it shows right. them being extremely aggressive and, mm-hmm. um, seemingly rather, um, uh, antisocial. <laughs> yeah. Um, the answer is we don't know. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I think that as humans, we like to have binaries. We like to have categories. We like yeah. to make everything neat and tight. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is it's just not, uh, yeah. you know, um, it's, I, I think that, and because T Rex isn't alone, it's Desplatosaurus and I believe Tarbosaurus and Gorgosaurus have all been found with bite marks from other uh, tyrannosaurids. Mm-hmm. Now they coexisted with other tyrannosaurids, so could that be interspecific combat between yeah. them and yeah. another species? You know, Gorgosaurus versus Desplatosaurus sort of thing, Tarbosaurus versus Zucheng Tyrannus, Zucheng Tyrannus. I think. Yeah. Um, you know, is it? Um, it, it could be that, but odds are it was intraspecific combat as well, just based off T-Rex, just not quite at the frequency yeah. T-Rex was, uh, yeah. you know, combating animals, um, or it's members of its own species. But the, the way I think of it is, uh, you look at big cats today when, we look at yeah. morphology when we look at cellular biology um st- things like that the best thing to look at is a dinosaur's relatives um but yeah. when we're looking at behavior and ecology and things like that we don't want to look at um you know say a raven or a crow or you know some species of maybe you know like a black throat monitor or something and say okay well they should um you know, do this because this reptile that's related to them did this. What we want to look at is the ecological system. We want to look Mm -hmm. at where their role is in their ecosystem and see how it compares to that. And you find that oftentimes apex predators uh, that are kind of sole dominators of their respective ecosystem are solitary. Tigers, Mm. for example, are a big cat. They're bigger than lions. And they have very little competition in their ecosystem yeah. and they are solitary animals. They're very primarily solitary. 
And um, so, you know, even when there was that study about Deinonychus that maybe it wasn't a pack hunter and that maybe it was right. solitary based off of, um, you know, I think the molecular composition within its teeth kind of showed what it ate and that suggested a more solitary diet. That is still, yeah. I think, really brought a really broad stride to make that A, all Deinonychus were like that. And B, that um, yeah. all raptors, all dromaeosaurids were like that. Uh, yeah. Tyrannosaurs, maybe it was the Albertosaurian tyrannosaurs that were more inclined to hunting groups or things like that. Or maybe it was just yeah. species to species and things like Tarbosaurus or Desletosaurus or, you know, maybe even, um, I don't know, Lythronax. Maybe those animals were solitary. It, it, I think it, yeah. a big part of it is ecological systems and their role within that. Totally. And the thing is, is it varies from genus to genus, species to species, and even individual to individual. Some wolves in their biome are yeah. more independent than others. Um, and so it's a really yeah, sure. broad, it's a really broad spectrum. And I don't think we can put it into one category and odds are, we don't know T-Rex's sociology. We don't know how it interacted with each other. Um, yeah. we don't even know, you know, it, it could have been, you know, kind of our idea of packs where it was this big group. It could have been family groups where it was, you know, two parents and, mm -hmm hatchlings up until a certain point and then they split off like bald eagles and were primarily solitary and then got back together or it could have been um or yeah. it could have been you know any combination it could have been a single mother parent raising chicks it could have been it could have been any wild variation of things that we just don't have the data to support um so yeah you know i i and personally, just, just on my own, this is not substantiated by anything. This is just me looking at kind of Occam's razor. You know, it's the easiest yeah. to jump to conclusion is the usually the correct one. Um, and this is just the way I see yeah. it. The fact that T-Rexes show high degrees of intraspecific combat, potential cannibalism, um, and have not been found together... Um, and the fact that the juveniles were fulfilling a different ecological niche from the adults, most likely to avoid competition yeah. with them. And then that ecological study about mm -hmm. how spread out populations of adult T-Rex would have been, that all to me suggests a very solitary lifestyle. I, I just think that's yeah. that, you know, objectively that suggests that the juveniles were staying away from the adults. And because the adults were bigger, badder versions of them and had to avoid competition with them yeah, and knew, you know, that not only are they a meal, but they're also potential future competition. Um, and yeah. that the adults didn't like each other because they were each other's competition. And, uh, you know, and so they're kicking the shit out of each other all the time. I think that that's indicative of, yeah. of, uh, of a non gregarious lifestyle or at least some complex social behavior that was primary, primarily solitary, but there, there's no, you know, sure. hard line on that at all. And that's something I'm very open to being wrong about. Totally. It's also interesting that the, um, the, uh, the ontogeny of Tyrannosaurus, you said like, you know, they're, they're fulfilling different <laughs> ecological niches based on their, their body plan. Mm -hmm. The younger Tyrannosaurus body plan seems to resemble more of the lighter frame, longer legged Tyrannosaurus, you know, like the Albertosaurus. Yeah, it's Albertosaurian like for sure. 
Yeah. And I mean, that's where you get so the nano Tyrannus debate is, yeah, is right yeah. there. Yeah. Um, what would you most like to see from the future of the Jurassic franchise? Ah, uh, okay. So, and that is a broad question. It can mean, anything, yeah, really. honestly, as I have tended to do, I'll probably answer in a couple different ways, but, um, I, uh, the, when it comes to like entries into the saga and where I would like yeah. the franchise to go, you've talked about TV and how, you know, TV is yeah. kind of a gold mine for storytelling right now. And yeah. I, I'm yeah, yeah. super in agreement with that. I think Battle yeah. of Big Rock gave us a, te- a taste of something that would be really cool, which I think the ideal uh-huh. Jurassic Park series, whenever people talk about like the Hammond prequel and stuff like that, I'm kind of like, I don't really want that because there won't be dinosaurs in it up until the very end. You know, like, you know, that's what keeps me in the Jurassic. Yeah, I, don't I know love the why people think that that would be interesting. It would be a, a business drama up until yeah. the end. <laughs> And, um, it would be, it would be that show with the rock ballers. It would be ballers, but with Hammond and Lockwood, you know, back in, back in the day. Exactly. Um, it it just would not be interesting to me, but that's what makes Jurassic unique is its relationship with dinosaurs. I feel like at least. And, um, and so, and I don't really, the, the only thing that's interested me prequel wise has been the potential of like between Jurassic park and Jurassic world like recapturing the dinosaurs, figuring out what happened on Sorna, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. That would be cool. Um, Camp Cretaceous yeah. I've liked for the most part. Um, and uh, But I think rather than going back to that stuff, what really interests me is the idea of dinosaurs being so prolific that people like that family in Battle at Big Rock are encountering them on a daily basis. So an anthology series that's almost like a Lost Tapes uh, sort of, black mirror style where each episode is a self-contained story of a person or a group of people encountering a different animal and you can kind of do creature of the week each one and introduce new animals and stuff like that and you can do old ones too and show us kind of different perspectives and that allows you to really explore what makes different animals so cool and unique like i would love an anthology where one episode is caprasuchus and sort of going over like the yeah. versatility of that crocodilian because it was running, it was galloping, it was swimming, yeah. it was, you yeah. know, like it was, and then it looks gnarly. It looks very prehistoric with its weird teeth and its yeah. horns. And, you know, that would be a very cool animal for yeah. a Jurassic setting. I would love a like horror story with like Quetzalcoatlus or Hatsigopteryx or one of the big exarchids. Yeah. Um, I would love even like a T Rex versus T Rex fight in one episode where they're almost just trying to survive this sort of turf war. And they're caught in the middle between these two T-Rexes that are just going batshit on each other. And the, the T-Rexes aren't even really focused on them for most of it. Maybe, you know, they're just trying to get out of the way most of the time. Like that, that would be like, I love in uh, the Jurassic park game where the Rex and the Triceratops fight and they're just sort of stuck in the Uh middle of it. That's such a cool little scene to me because the dinosaurs aren't interacting with them at all. Yeah. It's just kind of the aftermath of this sort of combat going down, you know? And, um, Uh and so that, that's all really interesting to me and I would love, and so I would love that because it allows us to delve into a new animal each week and kind of put some unique stuff out there. That's one of the things I have liked about Camp Cretaceous is that, um, each of the, uh, 
seasons has kind of focused around a different animal. Like I like that they gave Carnotaurus a little bit more yeah. love in for the first season. And I think doing yeah. that kind of episode to episode would be really interesting. And it also, just like in Battle at Big Rock, allows you to be immersed and be afraid because you make the characters likable. You make them, you make yourself care about them. And, um, and if you know that their story ends at the end of this episode there, then you know that they can kill those characters off. No problem. And so the way, so feeling like you never know if they're going to survive or or not throughout the entire episode. And you're sort of living through that experience with them is really fascinating to me. And I think would be a really cool sort of anthology series. That would be my ideal Jurassic world series is one that doesn't have an overarching story one that focuses on the huge broad diversity because there's no shortage of unique prehistoric species. There's no shortage of, even if you just look at dinosaurs, there's no shortage of unique dinosaurs you could throw in. I'd love to see a huge flock of Cynornithosaurus just go back on, you know, some hikers in a forest, you know, just swooping down and grabbing them and, you know, German shepherd sized flying raptors. That's scary as like something like that would be really fascinating to me. And, um, especially if you base that more on animal behavior, I think Quetzalcoatlus is so cool to me because we are that animal's prey size. Exactly. It was, it was eating animals exactly our size on a daily basis. So like T-Rex, like it would be T-Rex would be going after us if it was convenient for it, if it could just hurry and run us down and and pick us off, you know, but Quetzalcoatlus would be actively hunting us because we are right in its prey range, I and I don't it. even want to. And I don't even want to. And think we're vertical about what, too, so it just go. Yeah, boop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It could just pick us up, or yeah. it could, you know, stab us. Or I, I really liked if you've ever read yeah. uh, Primitive War. If you, have you read that? You know, I haven't, but I've been actually looking at it on Amazon because it's come up a lot doing this. So yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I'm not much into like the war scene, but it's. Uh, um, it's one of the best paleo entries we've gotten in a little while. And That's the right here, yeah. Quetzalcoatlus in that has these long barbed tongues, like certain like shoreline birds. Yeah. And so they're literally uh-huh. just walking around. It's like this perfect example of horror set within animalistic behavior where the Quetzalcoatlus yeah. are almost kind of nonchalant. Like they just land and they just start picking off this group of soldiers. They're just walking around. They're hunting. They're, they're doing a daily activity. Yeah, but they're but it's described as these yeah. long snaky speared tongues are just and and pulling them back into the jaw and swap and shaking them and snapping their neck and then picking them apart and eating them. Yeah, like the and wow, it, it. it the way it's described as this sort of like eh, everyday activity is really fascinating to me because that's exactly w- what it would be. Yeah, um, and so yeah. seeing that sort of thing translated into Jurassic media and going more into this horror route while also rooting it in animal behavior is really fascinating to me. And, um, so yeah, I think that's where I'd want it to go. Um, and then, yeah, I think as far as species I'd like to see, I would probably like to see, um, I I'm always, I, I love, uh, when they add new Tyrannosaurids, I'd love to see like Lythronax or something like that show up. Mm. You Tyrannus maybe. Um, but outside of dinosaurs, I'd love to ideally see Caprosuchus or Quetzalcoatlus. Cause I think those are, like the two non-dinosaur species that I've been rooting for for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I just wish, I wish we got more, even T-Rex, it gets cooler every yeah. study and you already yeah. have it in the movie. Why haven't we gotten something with the bite force yet? That would be yeah. kick ass. 
Like I would yeah. love if we kind of got that scene in the novel. A T-Rex had an obscenely large head. Its head is yeah. literally like, I don't doubt that it could grab the tail of a car and start to lift it off the ground and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, like yeah. why haven't we gotten something like that? Where, you know, every time yeah. they try and hide, it's almost like, like not comically, but every time they try and hide in a car or, you know, somewhere, yeah. all of a sudden they just see the teeth like puncture through the ceiling and rip it off, you know, like yeah. that would be so scary. It would give this, the T-Rex sort of this like unstoppable force sort of feeling that I feel like we haven't really gotten since like the lost world. Yeah. And, um, and it would lean hard into new science and it would be a cool yeah. like close look at sort of the bite force of, of T-Rex and, um, and, and part of its biology. Yeah. I, I wish we got that. Th- this is what I wish Jurassic would lean into. And I think maybe it was Chris who said this on your last podcast. The thing that makes Jurassic that made Jurassic work so well, especially in Jurassic park and um, the lost world is they understood that different animals bring different things to the table. Um, Something like the T-Rex, which is an enormous, it's almost a force of nature. You know, it's the, it's kind of the unstoppable force when you're there without a way to defend yourself. You know, it's the, all you can do is run sort of a monster, you know? Yeah. Um, And then you have the Raptors and you lean into sort of the intelligence and the size and the speed yeah. and things like that. And then you almost have a slasher mm-hmm. villain. Like you almost have like a, like a serial killer mm-hmm. type type of, of feel to it. Yeah. And then you have the Dilophosaur. And even though that design is inaccurate, they leaned hard into making the Dilophosaur unique and different and its own thing. And that's why I kind of yeah. talked about wanting things like Adzarkids or Caprosuchus, because those are animals that have their yeah. own very own sort of subset of abilities and flavors. And, that's why I yeah. I would love to see something like a Majungasaurus do something like 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 I described mm. where it like headbutts someone really hard and they go flying and they hit the ground and before they can even start to get yeah. up it picks them up shakes them and starts eating down their body. That would be so scary. Yeah. That would be scary as sh- And yeah, so um yeah. And like each dinosaur brings its own flavor. I would love to for Jurassic to lean hard into T-Rex's bite force. I would love to see some scenes where yeah. it's more like what we got for just a tidbit in the lost world where Eddie's in the car and the Rexes are just yeah. ripping it apart. I would love to see that more yeah. like people trying to hide and the Rexes yeah. kind of keep just crunching through things to get to them. Like that would be so cool. Yeah. Lean yeah, hard yeah. into what makes the animal that animal. Like if you want Spinosaurus, Absolutely. throw them in. We were still in the size range where a Spinosaurus would eat us. It doesn't matter how slender their jaws were. Yeah. We were small animals, and if they could right. catch yeah. us, they would. Like yeah. show a Suchomimus yeah. coming out of a stream, you know, things like that. Lean hard into what the Spinosaurus, even though I am annoyed with the whole bullshit, like let's just replace T-Rex thing. Um, they also still, yeah. even though that was the initial concept, they still leaned into Spinosaurus being Spinosaurus. We get a river scene with it. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, you know, I feel like I think I think it, I do think it was Chris who said it that each sort of interaction with the dinosaur is a set of jaws chasing after someone, and that's it. Um, Allosaurus. Yep. Uh, one thing I wish they had leaned harder into with Allosaurus is having it use its arms. It has some of the longest proportional arms of any theropod, and huge claws. 
Yeah. Like I would love to see like there's reaching that, into that trailer and everything. Yeah, exactly. So cool. You just see it like, like, like the Indominus yeah. in the gift shop in Jurassic world where you see yeah. it's like claws yeah. scraping the ground. Yeah. That would have been so cool. Give us that. Or there was that whole study. I think yeah. it was on Acrocanthosaurus, but I'm sure it translates to Allosaurus where they showed how strong the arms and the claws were. And they had it punched through a car door. Like, Show us that. Have yeah. someone in the trailer or in the car, yeah. and rather than smashing its head in through like a T Rex would, it's like ripping yeah. it apart with its claws and like digging through it. Yeah. Show us something kind of unique with that. And so, yeah, I wish yeah. that there would be more emphasis on sort of the unique, independent flavors that dinosaurs can bring. Like with feathered raptors. Uh, oh man, what's it called? There's an actual name for feathered raptors hunting method. Have you heard of it? Where their wings were essentially for balancing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's how falcons and hawks hunt today, essentially, where raptors would jump oh, up yeah. on smaller yeah, yeah. prey, pin it with their pin toe them down, yeah, and hook in. Yeah. And their wings were for balancing yeah. during that, and then yeah. they would start picking them apart and ripping them and eating them alive. Like that's that's yeah. scary as shit, and that's something only a feathered raptor could do. Totally, show us that. You know, yeah. like start showing us the yeah. unique individual things and signatures that only that dinosaur can bring. That's cool. That's yeah. unique. Dude, thank you so much for. Yeah, hopefully that here. was that was good and what you were looking for. No, it was super uh, fascinating. Super, super great. I'm so, so, so pumped to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. I like talking with you. I'm always down to talk dinosaurs. So. <laughs> I, I've loved the podcast, man. It's seriously been so fun to listen to. Like just. Like, like it, I especially loved when you had uh, uh, Ben Novak on yeah. here talking about the conservational geneticists, uh, the yeah, conservational yeah, yeah. genetics and stuff. Yeah, that was that was some like unreal. That was cool. Yeah, and, it was really, uh, I, I've wanted to have him on the podcast since I started it. Like, I was so pumped yeah. to have him on. And most of the time, I when I you know listen to um, like like the podcast, like it's. I, I, I love it and I love the concept and everything, but it's usually just because I'm in the field stuff that I'm already kind of aware of. Mm-hmm. That was the first time that everything he was saying, I was like, no, that's so cool. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been like, like I'm, I hope it, it has an impact because like, I, I think it's super cool. I, you've seen Mitchell versus the machines, right? Yes, I have. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I didn't even, so I forgot that movie came out that day until I had uh-huh. four different people send me f-ing clips of that kid. <laughs> and, yeah. And just, and every single one, I have a screenshot of my text and it's a uh-huh. link and then you link and then you link yeah. and then you, it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. that all the way uh-huh. down. Uh-huh. And, and I was just like, even my girlfriend uh, texted me and she texted me a link to that one at the end where he asks her to talk about dinosaurs casually sometime. He yeah, started yeah, screaming yeah. it, uh-huh. and she, and she was like, "This is basically yeah. how our first conversation went." I was like, Thank "You," <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I did. I I, I, I loved it, the movie. I I cried at the end. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I was I was stoned, so I'm I'm always like a oh, little man. more emotional hey, when you, I'm you know you and I me both man. too. But yeah, you and me yeah. both. <laughs> but, but no, but it I was, was like. So <laughs> Like yeah. I thought, see, I totally when I was watching the movie and earlier on they did, uh, they it showed like them the dad and the daughter like dancing together to that one yeah. song. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, that's yeah. gonna come back later and it's gonna be cheesy yeah. and cringy. And all of a sudden it happens yeah. at the end, and I was like, 
they're bonding. Like, like I was like yeah. it, everything <laughs> I should have known. It was the team that did spider verse. And that's like one my favorite superhero yeah. movie ever. That movie's phenomenal. Oh yes. So, so I, good. and so that's I should have known that. Yeah, it literally is. And so I should have known that like this movie would like jump the shark and manage to pull it yeah. off. Uh, but yeah, it was uh-huh. it, Mitchell uh-huh. versus the machines was awesome. And did, did you see they? Yeah, I, I've uh, only watched it once. I can't wait to watch it again. Did you see that on the like title uh, that like potential sequel ideas and it like does a list and you see dinosaurs are on it? No, I didn't. So the title screen wait, where was that? in the title screen for Mitchell's versus the machines. It So it's that uh-huh. crazy title screen with all the lettering around it. Um, it says uh-huh. back. To, uh-huh. It says back to the original title because it was titled "Connection" or "Connected" or something like that. Oh yeah. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it was like back to the original title, and that was like sequel title ideas? Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? And that was this big long list. And dinosaurs is like oh, yeah. third on. Is like third on it. Uh, I mean, I I don't even know if they'll make a sequel, but I really hope that they make one. And dinosaurs are the enemy, and that would be cool. <laughs> Find a way to bring dinosaurs into it. Yeah. See, and you know they'll make those f***ers accurate. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But how much the, they talk um, about it. I, I got so emotional just because of the kid being so obsessed yeah. with dinosaurs and, and like him being like such a weird little kid and like relating so much to that. Well, and leaning into it, really like just... he wasn't punished for it. He wasn't like, 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 no, yeah, like they were kind of like they were poking fun at him, but not in a like, don't be anything malicious, but, right? But yeah, 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 don't be anything but you. They were just leaning hard into like sort of the neuroticism of it. Yeah. Exactly. And like it was poking fun at like the paleo, like these dinosaurs aren't accurate, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and so I loved seeing him. And it in a weird way, it did make me feel represented. And then at that, oh my God, I was first starting to feel a little bit high when I start when it cut to that like Brachiosaurus or whatever, and it just has like the human face on the statue. It's like the orange <laughs> one. Yeah. Oh man. I, uh-huh. I I paused and I laughed about that for maybe 10 minutes. Like I laughed so hard when he's looking <laughs> at that card before the robots show up and he looks up and you just see this like yeah. human faced Brachiosaurus. Oh man, so funny. Yeah. Oh man, I great. Yeah, that. I loved that movie. It was really, really good. Well, that's it for this, the 11th episode of the Neo-Jurassic Podcast. I truly hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, uh, please feel free to subscribe, tell your friends, leave a positive uh, review somewhere, post about it in social media, write a blog post, you know, any number of things would be very, very helpful. Oh, don't forget to subscribe to the Neo-Jurassic YouTube channel, which is going to become much more active in the coming weeks. And if you haven't already done so, watch The Mitchells vs. The Machines on Netflix. It is an absolute delight. Couldn't recommend it more. Really look forward to sharing the next episode with y'all. But until then...